16 minutes past eight, the North America Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA, a trilateral pact between Canada, Mexico and the US, has been in effect since 1994, but its future seemed quite precarious early this week as it was under threat by President Donald Trump, who said the US and Mexico could sign a deal without Canada unless the latter is willing to make further concessions, though the situation does appear to be a bit brighter now with the Canadian Foreign Affairs Minister resuming high-level negotiations with the U.S. Trade Representative and President Trump, commenting talks are doing really well. We can now cross to speak with Daniel Dale, Washington Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star, who's been directly following all this in the way of talks. Thank you for speaking with us. Thank you for having me on. And and you've just, uh, I understand, heard from um, the Canadian side on this. Can you tell us the latest from your point of view? Yes, so the, the minister, Christian Freeland, is being quite uh, tight-lipped. She doesn't want to reveal the details of the negotiations. But I spoke with a, a high-level Canadian government official who spoke on condition of anonymity, who said that uh, they're very optimistic. Um, they think that a deal is possible by the U.S. deadline of Friday. And they think it's, it's down to a couple of key issues, including the Canadian dairy industry, um, a, a system of resolving disputes under NAFTA, which Canada wants to preserve, and an exemption for Canadian cultural industries, which Canada continues to want to protect with government subsidies and other intervention. So it looks a lot better than it did uh, even two days ago. Can we get a little more in the way of background here? How did Canada reach this point, uh, being at risk of being dropped out of this trade pact? Well, it's, uh, it's President Donald Trump. He uh, initiated the renegotiation of NAFTA. Most Canadians and, and uh, every major Canadian political party is basically supportive of NAFTA. They would not have initiated a renegotiation unless uh, Trump insisted, which he did. Um, and we know that Trump is fond of you know, hardball, uh, tough tactics at the negotiating table. He styles himself a master negotiator. And, and what he did was basically exclude Canada from the negotiations for more than a month to deal directly with Mexico. Then on Monday, they announced what they said was a complete trade deal with Mexico and said, Canada, you can get on board or we'll, we'll leave without you. We'll submit a deal to Congress that does not include Canada. Uh, can, the Canadian side didn't necessarily think that that was a legitimate threat, that he was actually going to do that. But, uh, but that's how we got to this point where Canadians started to worry. Right. So th- there was this concern maybe that he's bluffing, but we can't take the risk. Is that the, the general feeling? Yeah, that's, that's right, because on, on a whole number of other issues, you know, Trump has been thought to be bluffing, and then he's gone through with it. And one example is the, the steel tariffs. You know, many world leaders uh, in Asia and North America thought that Trump was not going to actually impose steel tariffs. This was just a negotiating tactic. Well, then he did it. And so he taught the other countries a lesson that, you know, even if we don't think that he's being serious, we can't, uh, we can't take these threats lightly. Moreover, this is Mexico we're talking about, a country that uh, President Trump has not exactly endeared himself to since even before he became president. How did Mexico end up higher up on this uh, agreement than Canada? And how do Canadians or officials feel about that? That's a great question. You know, it's not exactly clear. Um, it seems possible that Trump was simply annoyed with our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, who had criticized him over the steel tariffs. And Trump took a very personal exception. You know, in his campaign rallies, he keeps referring to Trudeau simply as Justin. 
you know, belittling him. He won't use his last name. So I think it, it might be personal. Um, it might also simply have been, you know, the strategy that they realized that, that some of the issues that were unresolved with Canada are more complicated and Canada was being more obstinate about them than Mexico was being about the remaining issue, issues they had with Mexico. So they thought, okay, if we can deal with the easier issues with Mexico first, then we can get the harder ones done with Canada right afterwards. So President Trump's been demanding a fair deal. Is any deal likely to still be fair from the Canadian side, even if, for example, the dairy markets opened up? I I think so. Um, You know, I don't exactly know how how the Canadian public will perceive a deal because we don't have the details yet. But um, I think many Canadians would likely be fine with a deal that, for example, gave American producers, you know, 3 or 5% access to the Canadian milk market rather than, you know, significantly less than that now. Um, many of the other tweaks that are being discussed, I don't think will even be noticed by the average person, you know, changes to government procurement policy or how long a copyright lasts, you know, whether it's 50 years or 75 years. These are major issues for the economy, but in terms of the general public, I think they'll, they'll, be, willing, they'll be susceptible to, you know, the sales job of Prime Minister Trudeau. How important has NAFTA been for Canada since 1994? And, you know, what would be the cost of dropping out if that, the worst was to happen? Well, it's, it's been hugely important. You know, this agreement governs uh, more than a trillion U.S. dollars annually in trade. Um, it's reshaped the Canadian economy in, in many ways. It's resulted in very integrated supply chains in industries like the automotive industry, which is a, a central concern in this negotiation. Um, if it were to go away, you know, various Canadian economists at major banks, for example, um, have forecast that it would be a significant blow to the economy, but it wouldn't be devastating. Um, some of them have predicted uh, something like a 0.6% to 1% hit to GDP over, over a few years. And so Canadians would feel this, but um, according to the, these experts, at least, you know, it wouldn't cripple the economy. Well, that's interesting to note as well. But who would you say has been the biggest winner since 94? Can we say there's been one that stood out or has it been relatively equal for the three countries? I I really think it depends on who who you ask. Um, You know, Canadians largely feel that they have been a winner because the economy has expanded, trade has expanded. Many Americans feel like they have been a winner because U.S. trade has expanded as well, particularly in areas like agriculture. Uh, and Mexico certainly, you know, has seen an explosion of the auto industry. Um, but there are people in all three countries who feel like, you know, they haven't reaped any benefit. So many Me- Mexican low-paid workers say, well, it's nice the auto industry is, is doing well, but my industry has not increased wages in 10 years. Uh, many Americans feel like, you know, they understand that uh, certain industries have seen benefits, but they blame NAFTA for, for automotive plants moving to Mexico. And so I think there, there are winners and losers in, in all three places. Has this spilled out into other areas, the, the, the recent tensions? For example, um, Canada being a, a close military ally of the United States. D- does it affect that kind of relationship when this trade issue drags out? It, it's very hard to say. The, the Canadian government insists that it is not affecting the relationship, that basically at every level aside from the presidential level, the U.S. continues to be just as cooperative and friendly as it used to be. I'm, I'm somewhat skeptical of that um, because I, I do believe that, you know, the government takes, takes its direction from the tone of the leader, um, but I don't have any sort of practical rebuttal. I, I, I don't know of any concrete ways that it is affecting, negatively affecting the relationship beyond the area of trade. 
So at the start of this interview, you said the source that you spoke to, the, who, who wanted to remain anonymous, was uh, saying they're going very well, these talks. When, when do we expect things to be wrapped up? Friday, it, it has to be done by. Could it be even sooner than that, later today, for example? I, I think that that's unlikely. They, the ministers have uh, adjourned for the evening. They say their lower-level lower officials will continue to meet through the night, but I don't think we're going to have a breakthrough at you know, after midnight uh, Washington time. I think it's possible that we'll have an announcement tomorrow. I think Friday is far more likely just because of the sheer number of things, number of issues, number of industries, uh, arcane, difficult rules that they still have to resolve. Yeah. Well, just for the benefit of any of our listeners who might be confused by that, um, we are already Thursday morning here, but uh, Thursday for you is tomorrow. And uh, we wish you a good sleep. Daniel Dale, Washington Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.